Hello, everyone, and welcome to the June 29th edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles, an attorney with Floyd Scarron and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. Several Alaska Airlines flight attendants have filed a civil lawsuit alleging that an airline dirty little secret makes them sick. And the attendants claim that Boeing knows that its airplane cabins can become filled with toxic air, but refuses to do anything about it. The four flight attendants sued Boeing after becoming sick while working a flight on one of its planes, leaving them with lifelong medical problems. In 2013, the plaintiffs were working on a Boeing 737 for several flights with Alaska Airlines, the last of which was from Boston to San Diego. Shortly after takeoff, the plaintiffs say the crew noticed a funny smell in the cabin and the four flight attendants started to feel ill, including dizziness and vomiting. One fainted and needed assistance from medical professionals who were passengers on the plane. After landing in Chicago, the plaintiffs were treated at Resurrection Medical Center for symptoms consistent with hydrocarbon exposure. The four plaintiffs claim they still experience symptoms ranging from numbness and tingling, vertigo, extreme fatigue and blurred vision, to memory loss, anxiety, and depression. The lawsuit cites numerous examples of similar incidents involving pilots, crew members, and passengers. The plaintiffs say in the complaint that they are exposing a previously hidden and dirty little secret of the commercial airline industry. The air on all but one of Boeing's airplanes is pumped through the engines into the cabin known as a bleed air system, allowing the possibility for it to become contaminated with heated jet engine oil and its toxic byproducts if there is a leak. The lawsuit points to a 1955 study done by the Aero Medical Laboratory showing that inhaling heated oil can damage the brain, liver, kidneys, and cause death. According to the lawsuit, Boeing has been put on notice more than 40 times over the past 60 years that its aircraft was unreasonably dangerous but failed to rectify the flawed design. Allegedly, in 1953, the company first recognized that heated engine oil could contaminate the air with dangerous chemicals. Plaintiffs say that same year, Boeing was working on a filter system to clean the air, but it was never implemented. The plaintiff seeks damages for strict liability, negligence, and fraud. And now our fraud report. The owner of a Thousand Palms landscaping company cheated insurance companies out of hundreds of thousands of dollars in a fraud scheme rooted in the misclassification of workers. But the defendant's attorney argued his client was a gardener, not a bookkeeper, and had no hand in manipulating figures. 59-year-old Jesse Garcia Contreras of Indio is charged with six felony counts of workers' compensation insurance fraud and faces a maximum penalty of 20 years behind bars. Prosecutors allege he ripped off five insurance companies of more than $600,000. According to the prosecutor, Contreras became the co 
proprietor of Sunshine Landscaping in 2001, handling all administrative functions. The key to success was to hide the fact that he had tree trimmers on the job. The workers' comp premiums for tree trimmers are triple what they are for general landscapers. Prosecutors claim Contreras hid the fact that he had tree trimmers in the field by changing the human resources codes assigned to employees and ultimately reported to the state as well as the insurance companies. And when there were red flags raised and year-end audits coming, the defendant switched to a different insurance carrier. The defense attorney characterized the government's case as based on misplaced assumptions and confusion over business practices. The firms allegedly victimized were the State Compensation Insurance Fund, Castle Point Insurance, Liberty Insurance, Lumberman's Insurance, and Zenith Insurance. The owner of multiple San Diego marijuana clinics admitted to forging a doctor's signature and fraudulently using the doctor's name and license number to write fake medical marijuana prescriptions. 72-year-old Nelson Leone will be sentenced in September and faces up to a $250,000 fine and five years in prison. Prosecutors stated that Leone operated six clinics under the name Green Cross Evaluations throughout San Diego, including locations on Park Boulevard, Mission Valley, Sports Arena, and Pacific Beach. The former doctor advertised that his clinics offered access to a licensed physician. But five of the six clinics did not have a licensed doctor on staff. He employed Dr. Arnold Kaplan, a licensed physician, to work at one of his clinics to meet with customers and issue medical marijuana recommendations. Without Kaplan's knowledge, Leone also issued medical marijuana recommendations at his five other clinics using Kaplan's signature and physician license number. Leone agreed to shut down all six of his clinics as part of his plea. Leone was once licensed as a physician in California back in 1973. He practiced as a psychiatrist in San Diego for 20 years when misconduct charges were filed against him by four of his former patients. After 38 days of administrative hearings, the administrative law judge recommended that his license be revoked in 1995 for gross negligence, dishonesty, excessive prescribing practices, and aiding and abetting another in the unlicensed practice of psychology. In 2008, he filed a petition for penalty relief, claiming he had rehabilitated himself. But the Office of the Attorney General recommended against granting the petition, arguing that Leone's testimony was full of distortion, misrepresentation, and outright fabrication. After hearing, the administrative law judge denied his petition to reinstate his license in February 2012. That appears in hindsight to have been a good call in light of Leone's current criminal activities. A 24-count federal indictment has been filed against four defendants submitting fraudulent claims at the El Centro Medical Clinic in El Centro, California. 
Gavorg Kupelian opened the El Centro Clinic and acted as its organizer and leader. He has admitted he recruited Paul Robinson, a doctor, to serve as a front for the clinic in order to use his Medicare billing number to submit fraudulent Medicare claims. Kupelian also admitted he recruited and paid cappers to find senior citizens in El Centro and convince them to go to the clinic for a gauntlet of tests without justification or proper supervision by a physician. The indictment alleges that Paul Robinson, the licensed physician, acted as the nominal owner of the El Rio Central Clinic and submitted claims for more than 1,100 medical beneficiaries. The El Central Clinic generated over $2.7 million in claims. Tavmasian was allegedly hired to pose as a physician's assistant who saw and treated patients at the clinic despite not having the requisite license from the state of California. Kupelian has been sentenced to 30 months of custody and ordered that he pay nearly $1 million in restitution. Former California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation Officer Alan Lemke pled no contest to felony workers' compensation insurance fraud. Lemke was charged with failing to disclose his participation in events and activities that would have affected his workers' compensation benefits. Lemke filed a workers' compensation claim after allegedly injuring his foot while working in the prison. However, internal affairs investigators discovered that Lemke failed to disclose that he engaged in a 50-mile hike over rugged terrain just three weeks after he reported being injured at work. In addition, investigators determined Lemke failed to disclose other activities including rock climbing, snowshoeing, acting in two plays with multiple performances, and numerous extreme hikes in rugged mountainous terrain while off work collecting benefits. Lemke made video recordings and took photos of many of his hikes and other activities, which were discovered in his home when investigators served a search warrant. Pursuant to the plea, Lemke will be placed on probation and ordered to serve 150 days in county jail. He will pay a stipulated restitution amount of over $33,000 plus additional discretionary costs. If Lemke pays restitution in full, the charge will be reduced to a misdemeanor. And in medical news, while the average cost per workers' compensation claim increased in 2014, the number of prescriptions per injured worker and the average morphine-equivalent dose per script declined. In 2014, the significant increase in generic AWP was the primary driver of increased prescription cost per claim. AWP stands for Average Wholesale Price. The most heavily impacted drug classes include narcotics, NSAIDs, and muscle relaxants. Meanwhile, the number of prescriptions per injured worker decreased 5%, Narcotic utilization decreased 7.4% and the average morphine equivalent dose per script decreased 4.5% according to the Coventry Workers' Comp Services Analysis. 
Medications with the most significant decrease were Vicodin and Percocet, both narcotics. The rescheduling of hydrocodone combination products from a Schedule III drug to a Schedule II drug in 2014 contributed to the decline in utilization. Vicodin, the number one prescribed medication, had the largest decrease in utilization over the last three years with a 7.8% decrease. The number of prescription increases as the claim ages, typically driven by adjuvant therapies such as anticonvulsants and antidepressants that support pain management and lessen narcotic burden. According to Coventry, Compound drugs accounted for 7.7% of all managed drug spending and 28.1% of all unmanaged drug spending in 2014, up from 4.5% and 20.1% respectively in 2013. Despite direction from medical guidelines, compound utilization as a primary line of therapy continued to grow. In addition, new formulations were being used to target gaps in medical guidelines and formularies. In California, the percentage of workers receiving compounded drugs in unmanaged cases was around 10% and in managed cases around 2%. More states are adopting closed formularies in an effort to control pharmacy costs and utilization. Three states have already taken steps to introduce workers' compensation closed formularies in 2015, which would be Arkansas, Tennessee, and California. If adopted, there will be a total of eight states with implemented closed formularies or preferred drug lists. Injured workers are now a step closer to obtaining marijuana for their injuries after the Journal of the American Medical Association published an article that says moderate or high-quality scientific medical evidence supports the use of marijuana for some medical conditions. After reviewing 80 randomized trials that included nearly 6,500 people, Researchers found moderate support for using marijuana to treat chronic pain and muscle spasms and involuntary movements. The evidence was not as strong to support marijuana's use for nausea and vomiting due to chemotherapy, sleep disorders, HIV-related weight loss, and Tourette syndrome. But researchers say that any benefits of marijuana or cannabis use must be weighed against the risk of side effects, which include dizziness, dry mouth, nausea, sleepiness, and euphoria. The new review, which is published in the Journal of the American Medical Association, was commissioned by the Swiss Federal Office of Public Health. The researchers searched medical databases for past randomized controlled trials, which are considered the gold standard of medical research. A second review published in the same journal by another team of researchers found similar results. In that second review, the authors found high-quality evidence to support the use of marijuana in people with chronic or neuropathic pain and muscle problems related to multiple sclerosis. In yet another study in the same journal, researchers found poor labeling on medical marijuana. Of 
75 edible marijuana products purchased in three metropolitan U.S. areas, less than one in five were labeled correctly. Researchers found the vast majority of products contained more or less of the active ingredients than the label indicated. But there remains formidable obstacles before the floodgates are opened in workers' compensation claim departments in California. Cannabinoids remain illegal under federal law. Additionally, California Health and Safety Code says that nothing in the medical marijuana program law shall require any health insurance provider to be liable for the medical use of marijuana. In March 2013, the WCAB used this provision to support a denial of medical marijuana in the case of Cockrell versus Farmers Insurance. With that being said, claimants are just a legislative pen stroke away from claiming medical marijuana as a benefit. And in regulatory news, the California Senate voted unanimously to confirm Julian Soom as chief of Cal-OSHA. As Cal-OSHA chief, Soom oversees programs that protect over 18 million workers from health hazards in almost every workplace in California. Soom began serving as acting chief of Cal-OSHA in September 2013, just over a year later... Governor Brown appointed her as chief. Soom joined the DIR in 2012 as special advisor to director Christine Baker. Soom's extensive experience also includes work as a project director with the University of California, Berkeley, associate attorney with the Environmental Law Foundation, litigation associate with Carol Burdick and McDonough and industry hygienist and business representative with the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. Soom earned a Juris Doctor degree from the University of California Hastings College of Law, a Master of Science degree in Environmental Health Sciences from the Harvard School of Public Health, and a Bachelor of Science degree in Biophysics from Brown University. The Senate also voted unanimously to confirm Art R. Carter as chairperson of the Occupational Safety and Health Appeals Board. This board resolves appeals from private and public sector employers regarding citations issued by Cal-OSHA for alleged violations of workplace safety laws. Carter was first appointed by Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger in 2009 and Governor Brown appointed Carter board chair in 2011. Previously, Carter owned and served as the legislative advocate for Art Carter & Associates from 1984 to 2004. From September 1976 to 1983, he served as chief of Cal-OSHA. Perspectives on the WCIRB's 100-year history and a glimpse at some of the issues that will likely shape the workers' compensation debate in the years to come were among the highlights of the WCIRB's annual workers' compensation conference held in San Francisco last month. This year's conference placed special emphasis on the integral role that the WCIRB has played in the workers' compensation system since its founding in 1915. 
as part of his welcome message, WCIRB President and CEO Bill Mudge reflected on the organization's century of service to the California workers' compensation community and highlighted recent initiatives that have transformed the WCIRB into a more modern enterprise. This year's featured guest was California Insurance Commissioner Dave Jones, who provided a regulator's perspective on the California workers' comp system. Bill Zachary, the Vice President of Risk Management for Safeway, shared some success stories from his work at Safeway, a large self-insured employer with over 2,400 locations and 250,000 employees throughout the United States. The WCIRB Annual Workers' Compensation Conference is held each year in June in Northern California. The DWC has posted a second 15-day notice of modification to the proposed revisions to the workers' compensation benefit regulations. Proposed modifications include a requirement that a claims administrator have a clearly documented security concern before the claims administrator may identify an alternative but specific claims department name and telephone number to a claimant. Requiring a claims administrator to provide also a URL to allow an employee to download a form to request assignment of a QME panel. Changes also correct an erroneous cross-reference. The notice and text of the regulations can be found on the DWC proposed regulations page. And with that story, that is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, iPad, iPod, or Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. Again, I'm Renee Foles, an attorney with Floyd, Scarron, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today, and please drop by again next week for more news.